Crosby Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Patricia, what is an identity-friendly book for a child? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yeah, an identity-friendly book, I suppose, is uh, the opposite to what I grew up with. You know, when we were reading in school, it was all uh, Ina Blyton. First of all, they, they were mostly British people, very well-off people um, who drank ginger beer that we never heard of. Uh, so trying to produce books that include everybody, that show people's various cultures and backgrounds is an identity-friendly book, I suppose. That's what it is. I wrote actually both in English and in Irish. Um, but the thing about Irish language books, I suppose, is that in our own country, there's a whole group of people who are often invisible, the people who read in Irish, the children who read in Irish. And I'm delighted to say that that is improving all the time. We have mm. a wonderful children's laureate, Annie Nicklin, who uh, very much promotes uh, writing in Irish for children. Um, but within that, and apart from that, it, it's kind of down to the writer, you know, what you choose as your subject matter. Uh, one of my last books in Irish was called Erstray. Uh, it was published by Futha Fatha. And it was about a little refugee boy in Galway who's living in a hotel accommodation mm. and the problems that causes him in school and in his life. Uh, and he finds a lost dog, which is something I think a lot of children identify with. And he really wants to give the dog a home. He wants to mind him. But within his own circumstances, that's very difficult. Mm. So identity, I suppose it, it it can be about anything, PJ. You know, there are books written about uh, children who are hard of hearing or children who uh, are homeless. And it's only recently that we've started featuring those people in books. Like mm. for years and years with children's books, a lot of kids couldn't see themselves. There, there was no sign of them anywhere in a book. Yeah. The, on the, the little story there about the, the the lad living, the little refugee lad living, and like, yeah. where was your insight for that? Where, where did you get your 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 source material for that? Did you? Yeah, it was funny. You know, I think everything you write about arises from something you see or hear in your own life. And uh, here in Galway, you know, we all love walking the prom. It's what we do. And uh, there's a hotel there that is now a refugee centre for the last ten or more years. And uh, I was walking there one evening and I saw a young boy of about nine or ten who uh, turned out was from Syria. I didn't know that, but he was from Syria. And he was talking to, uh, <laughs> talking to, he was talking to a dog on the prom. And uh, that was all I saw. But I extrapolated everything else for myself, probably none of which was actually what was happening at all. But I was imagining there he is worried about that dog who's obviously lost. Yeah. And he's he like himself, lost himself is lost, yeah. not having somewhere to live. So, um, and also, I suppose I go into a lot of schools. So, I was seeing a lot of those children in Galway uh, in front of me, gorgeous children, full of potential, full of life. And you, the teachers would tell you, you know, the small little things about the sleepovers they couldn't have, the birthday parties, all that sort of thing. Mm. Or more shockingly, I, I got to know one child in a school that I was reading in quite regularly. And I came back after Christmas one year and she wasn't there. And I said to the other kids, because she was the life and soul of that class. She was the leader. And I said to the children, where is she? And they explained to me that she had, her family had got a house, mm. but they had moved to the far side of the city. That kind of killed me because I thought, you know, she was so happy here. She was so settled. 
yeah. in her group with her class, like all kids, you know, and, and suddenly she's whipped out of there and put somewhere else. I just think we have a lot to learn about that still. Yeah. Interesting with the Irish language uh, books and you Galway based and uh, that wonderful, wonderful Salt Hill prom. Like you, you walk, <laughs> you walk long enough along that prom, you'll walk into the Grail Talks anyway. So, so you would, near enough, <laughs> close <laughs> enough to it. But, but like writing a story like that little child with the dog, that little Syrian lad in in Irish, it, it's an mm. interesting combination. How do how do they say? Yeah, it is. And and for me, when I'm writing, like I said, I write in English and in Irish. So when I'm writing in Irish, I'm not really thinking about the language. Like, you know, I don't make a point in the story that the boy is speaking in Irish. Um, I just ignore the language, really. Yeah. Because to the child reading it, Irish is their first language very often. And I want them to feel that, that this is a normal world. The problem for a lot of Irish speaking children is when they read children's books, it's not a normal world. You know, it's not the world they know where they go to the shop and the shopkeeper speaks to them in Irish. They go to the school to school and teacher speaks to them in Irish. But equally, when their aunt comes to visit or their granny, it's Irish they're speaking. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to normalize that world for them. You know, let them see that um, they are represented in books. Uh, And equally, I want that Syrian child in school to see that he that we know his story that we know he's there that we rec- that we wave to them from the book saying i know you're out there i recognize mm-hmm. you i see you um and i think that's what's been missing for a lot of time and i mean the other thing i suppose we all have to remember is like irish society has changed so much in the last 10 years 15 years uh in terms of diversity and inclusion uh, and yet PJ, there has been no budget for school libraries since 2008. I was only talking so, about that last week on the Opinion Nine. Yeah, it's yeah, ridiculous. That really galls me because I think, you know, how can we writers um, produce books showing diversity and inclusion? And we're all really making a huge push to do that. But we need those books to be available to the children and we need them to be in school libraries. Um, but... Apart from that little rant about school libraries, I think things are improving hugely. I love what Children's Books Ireland did with their booklet, Free to Be Me, which has, you know, over 300 titles Mm. in it, 360 books, I think, altogether. So for parents or teachers, you know, who just want to open their child's mind to other cultures and other identities, um, you know, I think it's great to to be able to read those books. And books that I do think make a huge impression on children when they're young. So that idea of them seeing other cultures, you know, walking for a while in somebody else's shoes. Mm. Um, I think that will be hugely beneficial to all of us. Just lastly, on, on the subject of the, the Irish language, and I mentioned how close you'd be there on the Salt Hill prom. You'd practically walk into the Grail Talk if you stayed there long enough on a summer's day. <laughs> um, one of the most beautiful things I ever saw, Patricia, or ever heard, was a young lad from, I, and I'm not too sure where he was from, so whatever. He was speaking the most fluent of Irish. He read nine, speaking almost yeah. fluent Irish, going to a Grail skull with virtually yeah. fluent Irish. Is that happening much in, in your part of the world? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Girl School now have changed things totally. You now have, when I go into read in schools now, <clears throat> these are children coming from an English-speaking background. I go in to read them. By the time they're in senior infants, first class, they're pretty much fluent. 
they pick it up so quickly mm. and they speak nothing else. Yeah. I was doing, it was very funny. I was doing a session recently online with an English, um, no, a mixture of schools or English medium schools and Irish medium schools. But I was actually talking about a book I had written in English. So we were all speaking in English. We were talking about the book in English and somebody put up their hand in one of the classrooms in front of me on Zoom. And when I called the child, she spoke to me in Irish immediately. Wow. And she, it was a school in County Meath somewhere. So it wasn't like a Gaeltox or anything, but she was so used to school working through Irish that she automatically spoke in Irish. And the teacher, not knowing I had Irish, said to her, Laura Merla, you know, speak in English. And I was so glad to be able to address her in Irish and say, you know, there's no need. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of like a secret conversation between us. And it was lovely. The people who uh, say the language is dead, they're not right. And seeing small children who, for whom Irish is not their first language, yeah. speaking beautifully, yeah. you know, and chatting away naturally. I yeah. think that's the thing. It's They're totally natural. That's the language they speak all day. Right. But PJ, that was my background. I went to um, an all Irish speaking school, uh, but I came from um, a household where we spoke English. And um, I've managed to stay fluent in Irish all my life from that beginning. I think that that beginning is so important. Mm. That just that thing in your brain that says there are other languages. There's a different way of speaking. And everybody in Ireland, you know, probably speaks some French. So you know yourself when you when you start thinking about another language, you go to a different box in your head. You're kind of going to that place in your head that has language. Uh, but if you do that with Irish from a very young age, I think it's easier to find the box mm. later on when you're learning French or German or whatever it is. Mm. I'm looking at your website. There's a, a lovely list of all your books in both Irish and uh, English. Where can we get them? Are they, are they online for sale or do you have to? Are they no, in all bookshops? They're, they're available, as they say, in all good bookshops. And of course, they're available in your local library as well. All right, listen, good. Uh, the, the list is also, uh, it, 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 there's a book about language called The List as well, which is a fascinating read. Yeah, in Ireland it's called The Wordsmith. It was published in America and they called it The List. It was about a community that are only allowed to use 500 words. That's the list. There's a list of 500 words and they're the only words you can use. But in Ireland it's known as The Wordsmith. And it now has a sequel called Mother Tongue. Tell me more about that. Uh, it's good fun. It was a book I wrote about um, a society in the future. Global warming has happened. Everything is drowned. Everything is underwater, except for one community on top of a mountain in a place called Ark. <laughs> and in Ark, music is forbidden, art is banned, and the language of Ark is list, a list of 500 words, and they're the only words you're allowed to use. Uh, and I used a thing from Irish history where the children in Ark wear a stick, a tally stick around their neck. And if they speak a word that is not on the list, the police or the teacher or whoever puts a mark on the stick. And when they get 10 marks, they're thrown out of Ark into the forest to be eaten by the wolves. So it's a very um, kind of cruel society. And the protagonist, a little girl called Letta, who is the wordsmith's apprentice. Her job is to give out the words to people, to give them the words they're allowed. And at some point in the book, she thinks this isn't right. And she sides with the rebels and tries to fix the world she lives in. Yeah. In a way, it kind of sounds a little bit like some of us learned Irish when we went to the Gaeltacht in the summertime. If you were caught speaking <laughs> English, you were in trouble. <laughs> At least they didn't put a tally stick around your neck, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, the child from a foreign country like has limited 
language skills, they shouldn't be punished for getting a word wrong. No, no, they shouldn't. Well, none of us should be punished, I think, for language. But when I was writing the wordsmith, I was thinking about language and, and, and languages, minority languages like, like Irish. And, you know, how many words do we need for the language to survive? How many words can we lose before it's gone? Mm. Um, and I was also thinking about the power of words. You know, I often say to children when I'm talking to them, you know, should we ban certain words? Should we ban you know, uh, derogatory words that are just there to be offensive. And of course, what we always come back to in the end is it, it is about freedom of speech. Uh, it's not that we want to ban words. We want to change the way people think so that they don't use those words. And that's what I was trying to do in the book. I was trying to talk about we, how, we, Which you know, is very much how society language. is changing yeah. in that there are ways we would, you would say something today that in a way you would never have said the, you know, I'm getting this all wrong now, but you'd say something today and the way you'd have said it five, ten years ago, you would never say it now, even though you're saying the Absolutely. same thing. Yeah. You're saying the same and thing. And we totally learned now that language is a weapon and you can't, you know, throw it around any which way and say, I'll say what I like. Well, you can't really say what you like because, you know, we know. Well, you can, but you have to say it, you have to say it a particular way. Yeah, you do. And I think that's right. I think we have to control the way we speak uh, for the good of others. I think, you know, it is about not hurting people. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of all this, in the book, you know, in the book that Children's Books Ireland brought out, Free to Be Me, the list of books about diversity and inclusion, the thing that jumped out at me is at the end of the day, kindness is probably mm -hmm. the most important message in that book. You know, what? And the it's books we want to give our kids to read, we want to... Of course, we want to show them some of the darker side of life and we want to show them struggle. But I think ultimately we want to show them that good people are kind. Do you and know what? wouldn't be kind enough. It's something we may well come back to because it's a fascinating one. And we could spend quite a while talking about that use of language in, in the modern world. Patricia Ford, thank you very much. Her website is patriciafordauthor.com. Quartz 96 FM.